welcome and thank you for joining us in our new episode of Mufid 19. I am Hisham Salam. I am joined by my co-host, the scholar turned politician, the politician turned podcast host, Amr Hamzawi, a man of many talents. Today, we are having a discussion about Jordanian government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We are joined by Professor of Virology, Dr. Azmin Pavza, the former president of the University of Jordan, who also served as Minister of Education. Professor Mahavza, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Jordan seemed to have been successful in managing the first wave of the pandemic, but things seem to have gotten out of hand in subsequent waves. How do we make sense of this? We did not have cases to start with to contain. We reacted to the spread of the pandemic in other countries. At that time, we have very few cases, all of which were imported. None of the cases were locally transmitted. Until the beginning of August, we did not have a single case of local transmission. So the the response to the pandemic as of uh, March 18 was a very harsh lockdown, a complete lockdown that continued for more than eight weeks. The, the, The response of the Jordanian response to the pandemic by our current understanding was not proper. At that time, probably it was, because all countries all over the world reacted by complete lockdown. So complete lockdown was the fashion all over the world. But in Jordan, there is no reason for this lockdown, for this harsh lockdown. Thank you so much, Professor Mahavza. So when, when the second and third wave started to hit the Jordanian population, um, in your opinion, what was done right and what was done wrong? What was done right, probably uh, uh, testing, uh, briefing of the people daily and uh, at the media level, they were doing okay and uh, fine. Uh, and also, uh, the, the collaboration between the different sectors, we have a sort of uh, liaison uh, offices where Ministry of Health and the Center of Security and Crisis Management played a major role in coordinating these efforts. Although the uh, multiplicity of uh, bodies dealing with the pandemic had also a negative impact. But to a way, the the government of Jordan succeeded in this coordination of efforts between the public and private course, especially in lab testing. And in the, the, in the capacity of uh, labs, testing capacity of labs increased tremendously over a period of time. And that was a success story for the Ministry of uh, Health. Uh, they, they bought all the agents' equipment and they pro- provided these to or distributed these to public as well as private labs. And they, they increased the capacity of testing until we reached I mean, high numbers, relatively speaking, more than 50,000 tests a day, which is by all means a high number as co- if we consider the population size in Jordan. However, we did not utilize, that's another a negative aspect of the uh, management of the outbreak. We did not utilize the period from any March until uh, September, where we have the first, the first wave, real wave, 
to prepare for dealing clinically with the outbreak. So we did not uh, add or increase the capacity of hospital beds, respiratory uh, machines, uh, yani ICUs, until late in November, until so, yani we were prepared for the second wave. For example, we had a shortage in uh, healthcare personnel, in, especially in, with respect to respiratory management, respiratory therapist, respiratory specialist, intensivist, those who can deal with patients, with them, with large influx of patients during the wave. We, we, we had sort of a tough time, hard time, harsh times, dealing with those uh, large number of patients who need hospitalization. So we did not prepare for, for example, like what was done later for field hospitals, uh, nurse, uh, train nurses, train physicians, train technicians to deal with this. So that's one of the mistakes. Also, we did not uh, manage well the issue of immunization, vaccines, to make agreements for vaccines. The vaccines did, were not made available until late in January. We almost started in February. And when it started, it was, I mean, hampered. It was impeded by the lack of enough vaccines to, to uh, administer it to, the, to those who registered for vaccination. Until April, we did not vaccinate large number and it is, as you know, a race between vaccination and the virus itself. If you don't reach the people, the virus will reach them. Have there been significant differences between public and private healthcare centers in the way they manage the outbreak in Jordan? The public centers, especially university hospitals, were far better than the private sector. And the government, the Minister of Health, bought the services of some of the private hospitals and they were their allocations of certain hospitals were allocated for covid-19 patients and certain beds let's say uh, in some in some of the cases the whole hospital was uh, uh, designed to treat covid-19 patients because if until late in november most cases were treated in public places and public hospitals, and they developed some experience with these patients. Private hospital did not. They were reluctant at the beginning to admit patients because this would, um, um, I mean, people would not come to these hospitals because of the fear of being infected from those patients. And that's why private sector, although they were involved later, but at the beginning they were not um, because of any reasons peculiar to them and their business, actually. But then they were involved and they did a good job. Thank you, Professor Mohavza. Do you see any discrepancies across urban and rural regions in terms of the Jordanian government's response to the pandemic and in terms of the delivery of healthcare services more generally? This is the problem of Jordan. In essence, Jordan is Amman. Amman, the capital, has almost I mean, most of the healthcare system. So the healthcare system is very much I mean, limited in the rural areas, in villages, in countryside, even in other cities like Karak, Ma'an, 
they don't have uh, this يعني the sophisticated equipment needed for dealing with these patients etc uh, even laboratory services were not available when uh, diagnosis cases we used to bring specimens from Aqaba or from the north to Amman to make to test these uh, so labs were made available in these cities at a later stage so in general and that 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 does not it is not limited to covid-19 health services in Jordan are concentrated in two, one city in mainly Amman where you have high quality health services but in uh, Erbid and less uh, quality they're okay fine acceptable but if we consider other uh, cities like Karak, Ma'an, Akaba, really the services is not up to the standard so there is a significant difference between the levels and يعني the service the, the discrepancy is huge between uh, these services in the different parts of the country professor mahawza can 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 we trust announced infection and fatality rates by government agencies are are they accurate have, have they been accurate or do yes. citizens have doubts and fatality was to an extent accurate at the beginning we changed the definition of covid-19 mortality at middle in the middle of october probably because at the beginning any patients were dying and they, they were diagnosed after death of having covid-19 and they were labeled as covid-19 fatalities but later the definition was restricted to include those who have symptoms pertinent or related to covid-19 to SARS-CoV virus 2 infection. Not any positive case is considered death of COVID-19. Because uh, as you know, uh, road traffic accidents, cancer patients, etc., dying, and they were tested, they tested positive, and they were considered as COVID-19 deaths. So the number of deaths that were reported are accurate. However, when you relate those to documented, this here comes a problem because the documented cases are no more than 10 to 20 percent of the actual cases so if we if we speak of mortality due to uh, sars cov 2 infection uh, we, I, we have to uh, consider the real numbers not those uh, of any uh, that were documented uh, because we did not reach and that is universal and the numbers of COVID-19 cases uh, registered are less than 190 million cases, but I believe there are more than 2 billion cases all over the world. And the real number is 5 to 8 or 5 to 10 times uh, that was the, uh, reported. And that's the, these are uh, figures of the WHO and studies. We, in Jordan, we run a seroepidemiologic study and we found when when the rate was يعني, when we have 200,000 cases we discovered that we have 34.2% positivity rate which means 3.5 million cases the number was 200,000 يعني, the, the difference is uh, huge so mortalities are accurate but if you uh, relate the denominator is not accurate the denominator is probably larger that's why mortality rate is this than what we believe? And that's a universal issue. 
Thank you so much, Professor Mohafzad. Has vaccine hesitancy been growing in Jordan and how do we make sense of it? We studied this issue as has been done in different parts of the world. And we found that vaccine hesitancy is very high. And vaccine acceptance did not, uh, is not more than 30% in Jordan and in other Arab countries. In Jordan, vaccine uh, hesitancy is like 70%, was well, 70% and in Kuwait, yani, very close. So 30% of those uh, respondents to our uh, study uh, said that they will take the vaccine, which is now the case. The total number of those registered on the platform, vaccination platform in Jordan is 3.3 million till now. And the government, all the efforts with that were made, were not successful to increase this number to what we want. The target is to vaccinate 4.5 million by the beginning of by September the 1st. But the number of those who were, who registered, only 3.3, were not uh, successful to increase vaccine acceptance among Jordanians. Still, the fact that we reported 30, it's still very close. In reality, uh, there's a high rate of vaccine which was, uh, um, as I mentioned, uh, related to conspiracy beliefs. And we published two papers about conspiracy beliefs uh, in uh, uh, international journals, and one among university students, and the other, the second, is among the general public. And about 60% of university students at the beginning believe that this is a, a conspiracy. It's not a real epidemic. It's, they have all sorts of beliefs about the epidemic, which influenced the acceptance of the vaccine. And they did not go to vaccine because of these beliefs. Besides vaccine hesitancy, what are the challenges facing the Jordanian government in implementing its vaccination policy? At the beginning, availability was a problem. Availability, availability was a major problem. Even the contracts that were made with certain companies like uh, Pfizer, they were not up to their yani, commitments. Yani, they, they, there were delays, and that's why we changed the vaccination program and enter vaccine uh, period from three weeks to six weeks to make sure that the vaccines were available. The other issue, which is, I frankly, I have to say this, the different efficacies of the different types of vaccines has influenced uh, the vaccination program in Jordan very significantly. It is said, I don't know if it if is true, it's said that 60% uh, of the vaccines given were belong to Sinopharm vaccine which is the Chinese MR, Chinese Emirate one. And now the Sinopharm uh, is, is questionable because of yani, the, um, it is not accepted or approved by many European and countries, and the, including the states. Yani, it is not considered or it's not accepted as a vaccine certificate if you want to travel to Europe or the states, etc. 
The other issue, there is a high vaccine failure among the elderly. WHO says this clearly. It is good between 18 and 60. Above 60, it's with very low confidence. And many of those people who were vaccinated above 60, who, were, who took the Chinese vaccine, the Sinopharm vaccine, uh, did not seroconvert, did not produce immunity to the vaccine. And many of them were infected. And some of those infected developed severe disease and died. Unlike other vaccines where uh, the, the, the infection can take place, but it, it prevented 100% from hospitalization. Any severe infection does not take place. That is not the case of Sinopharm. And the centers at the beginning, the Ministry of Health did not have enough teams to vaccinate. That's why they were vaccinated like 5,000 a day. And that was a golden opportunity to vaccinate uh, before having a new wave and the new the second wave, which started on the 22nd, probably of January and continued until mid or late April, uh, was largely because of the lack of immunization. One of the factors, other than you know, the British variant was introduced into Jordan, also vaccine coverage was very slow. The numbers were uh, small, and we could not uh, compete with the virus, the virus spread. And do you see signs of herd immunity emerging uh, in Jordan? Now, after the second vaccine, I believe the herd immunity level exceeded 60 or 70 percent. We have like 700. Now we are doing a study in Jordan with WHO. We are doing a study to determine the prevalence, zero prevalence rate. It's believed, yani, if it was 35% in early December, and with this huge wave, we believe that we exceed the 60% of it. This brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. See you next time.